Blue Wire. The San Diego Chargers select Joey Bosa. Oh, here comes Bosa! The Los Angeles Chargers select Derwin James. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Powder Blue Review. I am your host, Michael Peterson. This is all brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Guys, welcome. This is episode 26, and I'm going to do my best to try to make today's show as entertaining as possible, mostly because there's not a whole lot to be positive about. There's nothing to really get rah-rah about, and quite frankly, there's not a ton in terms of silver linings to kind of hang our hat on after Sunday night's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was horrendous. It was pathetic, pitiful, embarrassing, empty. I mean, think of another word along those lines and and you just nailed it on the head. I'm really not sure how to respond to this one because at this point, I don't even like hearing myself talk and repeat these things because I feel like I'm a broken record and you guys have been reading it online, hearing it online. And I'm not really sure I want to be the person to, you know, say it for the umpteenth time, but, uh, I do this twice a week, and um, I guess I'm just going to have to get used to it if this is how the season is going to go. So before we kind of get into the show, again, guys, if you haven't already, go on to Twitter, follow me, my personal account, at ZoneTracks, that's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S, and if you haven't yet either, go ahead and follow the podcast Twitter handle, at Podcast. And then as well, uh, go on over to boltsfromtheblue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers blog where I am the deputy manager. I do weekly posts there. Every now and then I get into some special stuff, film work, opinionated stuff, editorials, all that. So if you want to stay up to date on what I'm doing uh, in terms of the Chargers, that is a good place to start. Today's show, guys, is, is pretty cut and dry as well. I'm going to try to not go on you know, my soapbox and, and rant a ton. I do a little bit of ranting in my Surger Static article that is out now. Um, if you guys want to go on over and read it, I will basically kind of use that for my Surger Static part of this episode as well. So you'll get, I guess, you know, the meat of it at the end of this podcast. But we're going to go over the game, recap it a little bit, share your thoughts, share my thoughts. Um, go over how everyone kind of did, see if we can find any silver linings whatsoever. Luckily this week, um, there are no real injuries to talk about. There's nothing, you know, Philip Rivers at one point took a shot to the rib cage. Mike Williams, uh, was slow off the field at one point, but he's been kind of doing that all season. He's making big catches and sacrificing his body. So sometimes, um, it's just something that he has to take being that big type of receiver and, um, you know, he's going to help us win games that way. So I appreciate Mike and all that stuff, sacrificing his body. But, and then we're obviously, we're going to finish off with Surger Static, where I pick three players that kind of surged forward um, with their play, uh, took a step forward, getting better in their progression, or, and, excuse me, and three players that are static. Um, either they played really bad, so they took a step back, or didn't do anything to move forward, um, kind of in a bad way, so they stayed static uh, for this game. So, that's what we're doing today, guys, and we're just going to get right on into it. Even after a day of sleeping on it, thinking about the game some more, uh, just kind of looking over the stat sheet and box score makes things hurt 
just as much as they did last night. Uh, time has not helped whatsoever. So we look at the game, look how everyone did. And obviously, we're going to start with Rivers. He was 26 of 44, 320 yards passing, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. One of those interceptions was a tip pass. It was not his fault. The second was him playing hero ball at the end of the game with over a minute left in all three of the team's timeouts. They were uh, starting their final drive from the one-yard line. They had basically, I think it was 66 seconds to go 99 yards and potentially tie this game up. Rivers, unfortunately, doesn't like these situations at all. He chooses to just chuck the ball up to Travis Benjamin in double coverage. He's done this year in and year out. This is exactly what happened in 15, in 2016, and I'm already getting PTSD from it. It's not a good look. It's not a good call by Rivers. Instead of taking what he can get, working the sticks, working the two-minute drill that they apparently practice in practice. I mean, that's what's so frustrating about this stuff. People spend, teams are supposed to spend a lot of time, especially towards the end of practice, working on two-minute drills. And I have yet to see Rivers really do too many two-minute drills, even though he's been in a situation with less than two minutes down a score, more than any quarterback in the entire world. That's actually something we'll get into uh, later on involving Rivers and being in this specific situation. But looking at other guys, Gordon, eight carries, 18 yards on the ground, three catches, 30 yards. Now, he actually out- Touched and outproduced Austin Eckler, who received only five carries for 14 yards and also had three catches, but for only 14 yards. Gordon outtouched him 11 to 8. Horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Allen, Keenan Allen, two catches, 33 yards. After having 29 catches for 404 yards the first three games of the season, Allen has less than 100 yards in the last three games combined. Still on pace for a big uh, season, but... Guys, this is so bad. It's just absolutely so bad. And and all these other games where, you know, Rivers had no one else to throw to but Allen needed someone to make plays. That's why Allen, Allen got all of those targets in the first three games. But for whatever reason, it's just not working out this time. Defenses are keying in on it, and they are succeeding. Mike Williams led the team in targets with 10, only caught five of those for 72 yards, still has not found the end zone. But Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, wow. What a return from the prodigal son, Hunter Henry. Eight catches on nine targets, 100 yards, two touchdowns. The first two touchdowns the Chargers have had uh, in the last eight quarters. Phenomenal, phenomenal. He looked good, guys. And he wasn't just dump off, drag, check down type stuff. This guy's getting downfield running seams and corners and angle routes and all types of stuff, getting open every single time. And it is so good to see him doing it and having success. He came out of this one, no injuries, no setbacks, no nothing. I think hopefully with a season where the team might be down quite a bit and they're going to be forced to throw, I think he's going to be chucking it towards Hunter Henry if defenses continue to key in on Keenan Allen going forward. Defensive side of the ball, uh, surprisingly, Justin Jones played super well against the Steelers, was getting upfield, causing some penetration making stops in the run game. He looked good. He led the team with eight total tackles. No tackles for loss or or sacks, unfortunately, but for a defensive tackle to lead the team in just total tackles is something to be said for. Thomas Davis, second on the team with seven total stops, had a tackle for loss. Drew Tranquil, five total tackles, one tackle for loss. And a fun fact for Tranquil is that he actually ended Sunday with one more snap play than Denzel Perryman. And I actually really, really like that. It just, it hasn't seemed to click for Perryman and White, excuse me, not white, 
Thomas Davis, they just look slow. They're they're slow to react. Um, they're not getting you know penetration. They're not reading blocks fast enough. They're getting caught up on offensive linemen. Drew Tranquil does actually none of that. He is looking so much better. His click and close stuff is awesome. He's able to get into the backfield, string out runs, get him to the sideline. It's awesome. He looks so good, and I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that he is the feature of the middle of this defense. Desmond King, six total tackles. He was as good as he always is. No splash plays, unfortunately, in special teams or interceptions. Denzel Perryman, four total tackles, had a tackle for loss as well. Joey Bosa, still playing the run as well as he's playing the pass. Only five total tackles, no sacks this game. Rayshon Jenkins, five total tackles. He had a pass deflected and an interception that really helped keep the team from, I guess, losing by more is probably the best way to put it. Good on Jenkins for corralling his second interception of the season. I think that means he leads the team in interceptions. I think he's the only one with more than one. So good on Jenkins, uh, sprung in front of a defender using that athleticism, those legs, man, the guy can jump uh, to make a play here for the D. Looking on over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, guys, Devlin Hodges or Duck Hodges, as we heard over and over and over again on the Sunday Night Football uh, telecast, they couldn't leave this whole thing alone, but he was a two-time USA champion, like duck calling, or I don't know, something like that. I didn't even know that was a thing. But that's why they call him Duck. So Devlin Hodges, he finished 15 of 20, fairly efficient for 136 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. The Steelers came out with a game plan to limit what they put on the shoulders of the quarterback. They ran the ball a ton and only asked Hodges to throw when he absolutely needed to. Made all his reads simple, um, so I'm not surprised to see him with a stat line like this. James Conner, again, did it all for the Steelers. 16 carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Had seven catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown catch, man, was ugly for the Chargers' defense. Jatavis Brown had a bead on James Conner in the right flat. And for some reason, I don't know how he missed this tackle. He had a dead sprint and he had Conner lined up for the perfect tackle to stop him in his tracks. And it looked like Jatavis Brown tackled a ghost. It looked from the TV angle, the broadcast angle, that he went through James Conner because James Conner's momentum, his path was not impeded by Brown trying to tackle him. It was absolutely insane. I couldn't believe what I'd seen. And there's been a lot of bad missed tackles through the first six games of this season. That might have been the worst one. And it just sucks. What a fall from grace for Jatavis Brown, who was a star as a rookie, fifth round pick out of Akron University, high motor type guy, made a bunch of splash plays to keep the Chargers from being super bad. They ended up 5-11 in 2016, but he's a big reason why they weren't 4-12, 3-13 that season. So just, just rough, rough, rough to see. Uh, Benny Snell, the backup running back to Connor in this one. Jalen Samuels, their normal running back, do-it-all type guy, has been hurt. Uh, Snell finished the game with uh, team-high 17 carries for another team-high 75 rushing yards. Also cut one ball for 14 yards. Juju Smith-Schuster, man, is these Steelers skill players that aren't the running backs are suffering hard from the lack of consistent experience quarterback play. Juju finished with just one catch for seven receiving yards. And then secondary wide receiver Deontay Johnson, a rookie out of Toledo, finished with just two catches for 14 yards. They ran this game through Connor and Snell and Hodges. They made all the plays they had to, and that defense actually was a huge part of it. So a nice segue into the defense, guys. Devin Bush is an amazing young player. What a high motor, always around the ball, football instincts, just good football player. 
that he is. Seven total tackles early on in the game, recovered a fumble for a touchdown, and then on the very next drive, picked off a tip pass from Phillip Rivers. This is the stuff that you just got to bang your head against the wall about. Bush picked off a, no, excuse me, the first turnover was the fumble. So pressure was in uh, Rivers' face so quickly that he freaked out and needed to get the ball out to Melvin Gordon in the flat to his right. Rivers had to get it out so quickly that Gordon hadn't looped around in his route yet, this little like flare route, to where he was then in front of uh, Phillip Rivers. So when Rivers threw it, it was way behind Rivers' person. So it's an automatic fumble. He threw it way over the head of Gordon, and everyone, for some reason, stopped thinking that it was you know an incomplete pass and everything was stopped. No, well, Devin Bush, being the heady football player that he is, picked up the fumble, weaved through a couple guys, and dove into the end zone to give the Steelers an early 7-0 lead on the Chargers. Then on the next drive, Phillip Rivers had a pass deflected straight up into the air, perfect rainbow right into the hands of a diving Devin Bush. So all of a sudden, they have the ball back in the Chargers, I think within their 30-yard line, already down 7-0, and it didn't take long for James Conner to take a handoff up the left side and make it 14-0 Steelers. All of a sudden, it was the same exact thing as the Broncos game. The Chargers were down two scores in the first quarter, and they continued to just be beat up in the first half. Just horrible. Again, Bush, seven tackles, one pass deflection, one fumble recovery for a touchdown, and that interception. Artie Burns, second on the team, cornerback uh, from the U, finished with six tackles and a half tackle for loss. TJ Watt, brother of Chargers fullback Derek Watt, three total tackles, half a sack, one tackle for loss, had four QB hits to lead the team. He was everywhere. He was around the quarterback a lot. Obviously, I think he is their best pass rusher. And he showed it tonight. Uh, the last guy who's probably notable on the Pittsburgh defense is Cam Sutton. A young defensive back had just one tackle, but he led the team with three pass breakups. Uh, broke up a pass that was supposed to be a back shoulder uh, pass to Mike Williams in the end zone. Trying to get his first touchdown of the season. Cam Sutton was all over it. And then Sutton also picked off the final bomb from Rivers to end the game. And seal it for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That defense was something else. And something I... I posted about, actually, I think I talked about it in the last podcast, is that when you looked at the Steelers' defense, you had three or four, I think it was four players up front who all had three and a half sacks and at least four, four and a half uh, tackles for loss. And that was TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree, and Stephon Tuitt. And then if you looked over at the front defensive front for the Chargers, they had one player who met those thresholds, and that was Joey Bosa. So just to tell a difference between how productive and disruptive the Steelers' front was compared to the Chargers, you had four players with at least three and a half sacks through the first five games and four and a half tackles for loss. Chargers had one in Bosa. And honestly, I think if Melvin Gordon hadn't, or excuse me, Melvin Ingram hadn't missed the last couple games, I don't think he would have been anywhere close to those thresholds either. It's been rough, guys. It has been so rough for this Chargers defense. The thing is, they're only missing Derwin and Adrian Phillips and Melvin Ingram. And yes, you can point and say those are three of the best players, three of their maybe top five players on the defense, but that cannot be the make or break for that side of the ball. It cannot. There's still some star power. There's still some good players. And for some reason, things aren't getting done. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time consuming, it's expensive, and there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. 
ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, whether it's on Etsy, Amazon, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. It's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's absolutely zero risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, you know, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. And sometimes it's just doing a lot of podcast stuff, and uh, that kind of makes you a little not in the mood whatsoever. So, but with Roman, It is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple. Just go to get roman.com slash blue wire and complete an online visit erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle but now there's roman complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it just go to getroman.com slash blue wire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getroman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started getroman.com slash blue wire all right now before we get into surger static normally how we end our first podcast of the week. Here's a fun fact that I think everybody should know, and I I think it's absolutely outstanding. Um, Just listen to this. Since 2006, Phillip Rivers leads the NFL in passing attempts while down one score and under two minutes left in the game. After last night's game, Rivers currently sits at 214 such passing attempts. He is first behind him is Joe Flacco with 160 attempts. So Rivers has 54 more passing attempts than the next closest person. And the thing about this is, is I'm not surprised because God knows how many times over the last three, four years, it's been this situation. Rivers has the ball under two minutes left down a score. Now this has been the make or break deal with this team. Last year when the team went 12 and 4, they won those games. This year, 2 years ago, 3 years ago, they did not win those games. With Mike McCoy, he had a crazy God, I can't even imagine what it was. I think it was like he was 3 and 16 in games decided by one score or less. I mean, it's putrid. It was absolutely horrible. He won almost none of the games within one score. It always went against him. It's just crazy. I That was kind of a kick-me-in-the-balls type of stat. So, I guess we can only go up 
from here. And with that, let's do surge or static. Now, first and foremost, starting off these surge lists is none other than tight end Hunter Henry. Just what a return, right? After missing the last four games due to a tibia plateau fracture, Henry was the recipient of nine Phillip Rivers passes, and he managed to turn those into eight catches, 100 yards, and a pair of scores. Now, those trips to the end zone were Henry's first touchdown since the 2017 season, after he missed, obviously, all of last year with a torn ACL. Must be feeling on top of the world after that. So, I think, and I kind of stated this earlier, that Henry's return to the lineup is huge. It's huge for the passing game. It's huge for, I think, the run game as well, if that ever gets going. And honestly, it just gives Rivers a reliable third receiving option behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And normally I would say, you know, he'd be fighting for that third with Austin Eckler or even the, you know, the second uh, in the pecking order with Austin Eckler after the first couple games. Well, Austin Eckler has been an afterthought since Gordon returned, and that's just a whole other story in and of itself. So hopefully, you know, this is the start of what I would like to think could be an amazing season for Hunter Henry just as an individual. And quite frankly, there's no other player on the Chargers roster that I would rather see have a a very successful individual season this year if, you know, it's not in the cards for the entire team to be successful. Second is going to be wide receiver Mike Williams. He ended up uh, leading the team in targets. Excuse me, I'm all cattywampus right now. Uh, It's for the second straight week. He's led the team in targets, but he finished second on the team in catches with five and receiving yards with 72, both behind Hunter Henry. Now, while Williams hasn't been able to find the end zone, he's been huge on money downs. So third downs and any clutch downs in terms of drives where the Chargers just absolutely need to keep the chains moving, it's always seemed to be Mike Williams making those conversions. As things stand, Williams has just 19 receptions for 303 yards and zero touchdowns in 2019. And our third on the surge list is none other than wide receiver Jason Moore. And a lot of you guys are probably asking yourselves who or when he even caught those passes last night, you're probably scrambling to, to Google his name and figure out who he was. Well, if you go over to uh, boltsfromtheblue.com, I did a little get to know him 90-90 about Jason Moore from Little Findlay University. It's a Division II school in Ohio. And uh, he was promoted to the active roster because Andre Patton was succumbed to an injury last week. Uh, obviously, he's a former UDFA. Um, and he actually got to play meaningful snaps last night. He caught both of his targets for 43 yards, including a long of 32. Um, it was an impressive debut, obviously, especially in a game where there was obviously tons of pressure game in, or from the start to finish, essentially. You know, every play was critical for the Chargers. You know, on his long gain of 32, he got loose on a streak route. Uh, It was kind of a broken coverage thing. And the thing with, you know, young wide receivers being put in that situation, he could have easily freaked out, let the pressure get to him and have dropped it in, you know, Travis Benjamin fashion. But he didn't, and it helped set them up for one of Hunter Henry's two touchdown catches on the night. And uh, at six foot two, and he's somewhere between 210, 215 pounds, he kind of fits the mold of a receiver that Phillip Rivers likes to throw to. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he eventually makes them get rid of Travis Benjamin. And I kind of say that about anybody who steps up in on this team in terms of receivers. But, you know, it's just I'll believe it when I see it, I guess, with Travis Benjamin. Moving on to static. And unfortunately for the second straight week, I am starting this part of the column off with quarterback Phillip Rivers. Now, this year might as well be the 2015 season because 
This entire season up to this point is giving me a huge wicked case of deja vu. The Chargers are finding themselves in close games. Questionable decision-making is just running amok, and Rivers is chucking bombs to Travis Benjamin in double coverage with 90 seconds left in the game, and they still have all three of their timeouts. Rivers is now sitting at nine touchdown passes to six interceptions. His 16-game pace is just a 24-touchdown to 16-interception ratio. That's not good. Not at all, especially after last season where it showed like he was, you know, as much of a gamer as he ever ever has been um, on pace for 24 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. So some of you might be thinking like, why is Rivers on this list? It's not his fault. You know, he was getting pressure in his face instantly off the snap. And I understand that, that it's not Rivers' fault that his offensive line is atrocious, you know. Uh, I didn't want to put him on this list, but what he did at the end of the game, I still think is unforgivable. I still think is so stupid. And he wants to get up on the podium after these games and say, you know, well, I want to win these games. I'm going to give my team a chance to win it. Chucking it up into double coverage where there is nothing there is not giving your team life. It is not giving them any more hope. It is not, you know, trying to figure out what kind of luck and what you can turn that into. It's nothing. You are just giving the game away. I don't know why he thinks it's okay, why he thinks it's okay to play hero ball late in the game, especially when the team has all their timeouts. So what if you're on your one yard line? Be smart. Do better. It just looks like he stops caring. I can't stand seeing it. We saw it a couple years ago. He got away from it last year with a few instances against the Ravens in the first game and their games against Kansas City. Hero Ball Rivers is showing his face way too much, and I'm absolutely already tired of it. Uh, Secondly, it's Travis Benjamin again. He dropped another ball right in his hands, and everyone knows how I feel about him, so we're just going to move on from him. Thirdly, lastly, uh, I put head coach Anthony Lynn on this list. Now, I don't know what he's doing. He gave Melvin Gordon more carries, more touches than Austin Eckler. It probably wouldn't have been a bigger workload if game script didn't lead them to pass a ton. And that's what scares me. After last week's debacle against the Denver Broncos, where obviously Gordon was the issue, he was just going to force the issue again. God. And so the whole trying to pad Gordon's stats and keeping Benjamin on the field, guys, he's making terrible decisions. Terrible personnel decisions that aren't paying dividends. On a weekly basis... You can see his decisions not working out. These aren't decisions that you got to oh, we'll just look back at the tape a couple games from now and see if they panned out. No, they're happening in real time. In real time, you can see that these decisions that Anthony Lynn is making in terms of personnel, play calling, all that stuff is bad, is wrong. I do not understand it. It's, it seems just like we're, we're so far away from the head coach that we all fell in love with, the guy who had the right words to say to the press, to his team, the guy we knew was probably going to pick and play the right players, the guy that on you know fourth and goal from the one was sitting there flexing at his offensive linemen and telling them to man up because that's exactly what they need to do and exactly what they need to hear at that time and place. Anthony Lynn has been a great coach the first two years. I don't see that coach anymore this year. It's just not there anymore. Now, I don't know how things are going to unravel the rest of the season. Things aren't looking good. But if Anthony Lynn finishes with his first sub-500 record as a head coach, someone's going to lose their job. I don't know if it's going to be Anthony Lynn. I don't know if it's going to be his coordinators. I don't know what players are going to get blamed. 
But as of right now, all this stuff is on Anthony Lynn as a head coach. And with that, guys, today's show comes to a close. I hope you're feeling maybe a little bit better after listening to this podcast. That's kind of the goal here. Uh, Maybe you need to do a little bit of your ranting yourself. Maybe you need to get into your car and turn up the music and just speak to yourself. Maybe just speak into the void about your feelings. Uh, Luckily, I have this. I have you guys to talk to and and share my feelings and and just know that uh, never, ever, ever do I want to be, you know, seen as a homer or super biased or anything like that. I'm just trying to be realistic. Um, I'm trying to use my personal experience as a player and just what I've been through to kind of give some perspective and at least the mindset that I think these guys should have, especially in a situation like this where everything kind of seems to be uh, going down quickly. Um, It's rough. It's not a good time, but it's a lot of time for uh, self-meditation, introspection, thinking about why things are going the way they are, why they as individuals are doing what they're doing if they're not playing well, them trying to take a step back and look at the big picture and figure out what they can do as a team and as individuals to save this season. Guys are going to be coming back from injury. I understand that. They'll be back. Hopefully the team will do better. Hopefully morale will be better because God knows that these injuries, all these players being out is definitely taking a toll on this team. So with that being said, this has been Michael Peterson with another episode of the Powder Blue Review. Guys, I would really appreciate more subscriptions. Subscribe, pound the like button, five-star review. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Um, Anywhere you listen to podcasts, guys, give me a ring. Give me something. I really do appreciate it. Hope you guys have a good rest of your week. We will see you guys later with our second episode previewing this week's game against the Tennessee Titans. So, again, this has been Michael Peterson, and I will see you later this week.